Welcome to Come Alive, the Living Spiritfully Guide to Thriving, where we explore the 12 permaculture principles as accessible ways to living a joyful life. We are your hosts. I'm Paul Galoro. And I'm Catherine Stilo. And today we are feeling fine exploring design principle number nine, small, slow solutions. Now, Catherine, <laughs> I have to say, this seems like it's going to be a very interesting principle to discuss for two people that have their sons in Leo and that are larger than life. <laughs> but before we get into that, let's have an homework check-in. Last week, we talked about integrate rather than segregate. Um, you talked about uh, stepping into our gardens and just changing things up a bit, not planting in rows, um, doing some, talking about the uh, companion plants, um, and also exploring other perspectives. So tell me everything. Okay, so um, the, the time that we're recording is planting season for us, and I was out in the garden with our seedlings getting them all in the raised beds getting them in the garden and even i have to remind myself to get out of that old programming of those neat rows uh, everything every type of one thing in one place um i i gotta admit i i, I mean i love how that looks because it's so neat and organized at the same time i also know that that's the segregation and that for the plants, it's more beneficial to have them together in guilds, no exposed soil, try to get them to all grow together, different things in different places. Try this over here. How does it work? This over here, the sun's different, the soil's different, how to think and see how things work. And then to make sure that things aren't in one place. So if a, a pest or some sort of disease does come in, it doesn't wipe out my entire crop of that item um so but it, it yeah i did notice for myself that tendency to want to put them in neat little rows and it's like that old programming so yeah letting that go and 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 integrating and making guilds amazing i would love to see what that looks like once it starts to fill in come visit <laughs> deal <laughs> how about on your end very similar. Uh, so with with the garden, and I, I, I've talked about this, that I was going to do a planter garden. But my father, every time he comes, he keeps on saying, Paul, just put it in the ground, put it in the ground. And I'm, we had grubs last year. The, the soil is very hard. I wasn't sure. And uh, so I decided <laughs> that I will meet him halfway. I'm going to do some in the ground and I'm going to do some in pots. And uh, so I, I went out this week and went to different garden centers and stuff, picking up different, um, uh, you know, tomatoes, cucumbers, et cetera. Uh, and then yesterday, I know this isn't really a permaculture practice, but I went to, you know, dig up the ground where I'm going to be planting. What's interesting about the soil where I live is it's very rocky and sandy. And as I was digging, I guess from maybe when they they developed this land or whatever, there was big, I was pulling out giant chunks of like pavement out of the ground. So I had to clear up all of that. There was there was some 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 branches and twigs and sticks that were like deep in there. So, anyways, I, I pulled all of that stuff out. I haven't planted anything in the ground yet, and I'm really happy to because, like you said. Um, when we're recording it, it's planting season, but out of nowhere, it just got so cold 
just very abruptly. Um, so uh, I'm going to wait probably till tomorrow when the, the temperature rises. Um, and thank you for the reminder of not putting everything, because I was thinking, okay, I have three different um, variations of tomatoes. I'm going to put them all in two different pots. But what I, I have two of everything, so I'm going to put them, I'm going to see who, who wants to hang out with who and, and how it goes. Um, haven't done the exploration of what companion plants work with what yet, um, but I will be doing that before they go into the ground. Um, in terms of exploring other perspectives, um, I haven't, like, aside from, from the, the people that I always interact with, you know, with my father, my sister for work, uh, et cetera, um, I've been pretty good at just sort of observing and watching. But what I've been doing in terms of integrate rather than segregate is really integrating all of the things, all the shadow things that I've been um, feeling that I should be rejecting. So particular habits or certain things that I'm called to doing, I've decided instead of saying, no, that's bad, I shouldn't be doing that. I've been saying, you know what? Something within me wants to do this. So I'm watching myself do the thing that for whatever reason I've been told I shouldn't, you know, shooting all over myself, I shouldn't be doing. And I had this one experience where I just allowed everything to happen. I was in the moment and I just felt my whole body, it was like I was holding on to something so tightly. And then I just felt my whole body relax. And this great sense of exhaustion washed over me. And after about five minutes, I had this burst of energy again. And it was like, um, the only way that I can explain it, you know, when you're carrying something super heavy and you put it down and you're just like, oh, you feel tired for that moment. But then you're like, oh, but I'm lighter because I'm not carrying this heavy thing. And you just go about your day. That's what it felt like. But in my soul, it was wild. Um, so I've been really focusing on that, like even simple things like this morning, um, I wanted to get up early and do all these things, but you know, the, the full moon kicked my ass this week. I don't know about you. Plus Mercury is, is slowing down because he's going retrograde tomorrow and I am just a zombie. And instead of pushing myself, I said, I'm going to integrate this tiredness into the experience and see what happens. And there's just a softness to everything. Um, so that's what my experience has been this past uh, two weeks. That is an amazing and powerful experience. Thank and, you. And as I heard you uh, sharing that, I, I reflected back on words that you shared with me and soften into it. Just soften into it. Well, thank you for reflecting that back to me. On that note, let's have a discussion about today's principle. Principle number nine, small, slow solutions. You're going to kick us off with a Zen tale. There is a Zen tale called The Martial Artist. There was a young student who wanted to be the greatest martial artist in the country. So the student went far away to study with the best teacher. On meeting the teacher, the student said, I want to become the best martial artist in the country. How long must I study? And the master looked and said, 10 years at least. 
And thinking that that was way too long, the young student asked, what if I studied twice as hard as everyone else? How long would it take then? The master said, 20 years. And thinking, that's even longer. I've got other things to do with my life. The student asked, what if I practiced day and night with all my effort, then how long would it take? 30 years, replied the master. The young student became agitated, confused, asked the master, how is it that each time I say I will work harder, you tell me that it will take longer? And the master replied, the answer is simple. With one eye focused on your destination, there is only one eye left with which to find the way. Ooh. <laughs> okay, I'm giddy to see where this goes. Let's talk about small, slow solutions. What exactly does that mean? So small, slow solutions is about taking small steps in the direction that we want to go. And often we talk about in our episodes, the next best step, take the next best step, a, a little step. What happens if we try to change or do too much too soon, we could start to feel overwhelmed. And, and I know that taking huge leaps and big changes can bring big rewards. In the end, it might not be sustainable. And then the overwhelm leads to giving up. So it's about taking incremental change and incremental steps so that we can sustain Lo looking locally, um, local resources, local responses, m keeping things to a manageable scale. Mm -hmm. I almost I, I hear when when you say that, I think start where you are. And then, like you said, just take the next step in the direction you want to go. I love that. Well, how does this principle look in action? Okay, in action, in action. Um, it would, uh, what came to mind too, um, when I just heard what you said was uh, the journey of a thousand miles and it's that single step. So mm -hmm. don't look at the thousand miles because that's overwhelming. It's okay, one foot in front of the other, I take, I take the next step. So in action, what this looks like is don't, if it, so if if you're living in a in a downtown core in a condo don't quit your job leave the city and start a farm <laughs> <laughs> try a small balcony or patio garden and then if you're already there try a bigger garden and then a little bit bigger and then maybe intern on a farm and then maybe move and from a personal perspective when uh, my partner John and I began on this journey, we were thinking, well, we, we, we had in our heads, we want, we want 50 to 100 acres. Yep, we, we want 50 to 100 acres. And in fact, we almost passed on the place that we're living now because it's around five acres. And we thought, well, that's, that's not our vision. We want 50 to 100 acres. And we had all these things that we wanted to do. And the first year here, and even now, sometimes we're like, oh my God, thank God, because there were in that first year there was so much to do and such a huge learning curve that it that it was like even on five acres it was overwhelming so i think oh god if we had taken 50 to 100 acres and stuck to that plan or even 30 to 50 acres we we probably would have been 
completely overwhelmed and said not for us and given up and left. So that's, that's what it looks like in action. Wow. You make me think of my entire life, basically. (laughs) Wanting to do everything larger than life. Now on a grand scale though, so we just talked about personally on a grand scale, how does this look in action? So on a grand scale, if we think about um, larger scale agriculture, we've talked in several episodes about Joel Salatin and Polyface Farms. And there always is this debate about animals and there are people who say that animals are essential to this this system this integrated system and then there are others who say oh animals are not not good and and there's these these differing perspectives so what what we see is that what if we're talking small slow solutions small numbers of managed livestock that are integrated in the whole system in rotational grazing like Joel Salatin is doing is actually beneficial and and can be argued that it's essential. The roles are essential because of the fertilization, because of the weed and pest control with the chickens. So that smaller scale is beneficial and and probably essential. If we look at the the CAFO uh, concentrated animal feeding operations. Those um, are the things that we see and and then label as well. That's not good, and it, and it isn't good because that's a that's a huge scale. It's uh, if we go back to a principle of integrate rather than segregate. Concentrated animal feeding operations are a segregated system. Animals are not a part of of the system at all. They're large scale in one concentrated area. And then because there's no system to regenerate, it's subject to disease, unhealthy conditions, there's massive harm to the environment. And that's because one, it was segregated and two, it's that's too huge an operation that's not integrated within a system. So getting, getting down to smaller systems. Mm-hmm. In crowded cities, we've got a high concentration of cars. So it's like saying, oh, cars are bad. Well, no, cars aren't, cars aren't bad. Cars are actually quite useful in situations when we cram them all in to one place and there's pollution and gridlock, then that's when we've, we've taken it on too high and too concentrated a scale. Um, when, when things are spread out more, there's freer movement without pollution and noise, or if we, some people are using cars, some people are using public transit, some people are using bikes, then it's just, this is another idea of small, slow solutions. Things on a smaller scale integrated within a whole system are actually good. As soon as something gets out of balance and too large, that's when the, the shadow side of it starts to, uh, be, be in too concentrated a level to manage. Oh, wow. I, uh, you just brought so much imagery into my mind for when we get to se- uh, segment two. So before we get to segment two, though, tell me what's the inspired action that we can take right now? What, what do you, where do we go from here? So things that we can do for small, slow solutions are 
just trying little self-reliant things. Try a little bit of growing food, a little container, a little pot, a small little plot, just to test things out. Try fixing a tiny appliance. If there's, if something's gone wrong, then just see, try the hand at, at fixing something on a small scale, not on a large scale. And little changes to enhance our own health. Maybe go for a walk once a week, once a day, whatever is manageable. And also uh, we're coming up at the time that there's going to be farmer's markets. Mm. So support that local community, purchase from small local businesses, contribute to the um, environmental efforts on a small scale in our local communities, because that's all about the small, slow solutions. Mm. Ooh, and if I can loop it back to episode number six, ditch the single use plastics. <laughs> that's a small thing that we can do that has a massive impact if we all did that little tiny thing. Yeah. You know, I love that. Let's loop it back to the story. So back to the story, our Zen tale of the martial artist, the master kept saying 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, the more with, with bigger and more effort, things take longer. Things are going to go awry with this bigger, more effort. So re again, reprogramming ourselves to take that small step, try it out, see what happens, notice what's going on, because in the smaller system, we can self-correct very quickly. We can, we can see what's happening. We can manage. And then when we go to scale up, we already know what challenges or we, we know some of the challenges we're going to, we're going to face and we can have the solutions in place before we scale it up. Mm, I love that. Slow and steady brings you to the right place. Yeah. I love that. All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll apply this principle to our lives to thrive. Welcome back to Come Alive, the Living Spiritfully Guide to Thriving. In this episode, we're discussing permaculture principle number nine, small, slow solutions. I'm excited. Let's dive in. How does this look in our lives? Paul, I know you said you got a million images coming in. So let's, uh, let's go right in. Well, it, while we were talking in the last segment where, where we were talking about um, you know, the grand scale, like the overcrowdedness of the cars and, and, and doing everything. And when everything gets out of balance, it brings me back to what I was talking about in the own work where, so I'll, I'll, I'll share my experience. I, my love for Nutella. And I go back and forth. There are times when I can finish a jar in a 24 hour period. <laughs> I start the one evening and then I finish it by the next evening and, 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 and there's times where I'm like, no, nothing, no Nutella ever again. And it's this like weaving back and forth. It's like the pendulum swings so far one way that then it goes so far the other way. And it just becomes this, how I see it is this, this massive um, nervous system response, right? Of like uh, uh, high alert and then down and high alert and then down. So it just makes me think of, the Nutella's not bad, 
Although, okay, if we're really serious about it, I mean, it's not great, but it's not bad. It's how much I consume of it that is not beneficial. And this is something that came up for me while I was reflecting on integrate rather than segregate, right? As I said, when, when I was tr trying to reject the things that I was doing that I considered not good, when I just sort of let them in, I started to see, wait, there is a benefit. But if I have it just a little bit. And so that was one of the like major things that, that came to mind for me something that popped into my head was everything in moderation everything in moderation because extremes i'm eating a lot of nutella or i'm not eating i'm not eating it at all are are that extreme which it which would be in the in the large in the large scale in the um not in the small slow solution so the small slow solution is okay i'm just gonna add a little bit to my life or i'm just gonna cut back a little bit to bring it into balance because it is in the balance that we have enjoyment and pleasure in its fullest experience it's when we go to those extremes that that things are out of balance yeah. either the cutting off which takes and we, we talked about in the homework check-in the cutting off or the resisting takes so much energy and allowing allowing it in softening into it and allowing a little bit brings us back into balance or mm -hmm. and then and then when we've swung the pendulum the other way and it's too much and we've overdone it then it's coming back to finding that just that just right yeah. so take the step in the direction that we want to go the small step and see yeah. how it goes and then the next step and the next step to find to to really keep in balance yeah. yeah well it makes me think of you know when people go on diets they go from like eating all the things to oh i'm only eating greens or i'm only i'm gonna i'm gonna do the whole 30 or i'm keto it's like we go from so far to so far on the other end instead of taking that tiny step the way i like to think of this is you orient yourself in the direction that you want to go. And then you just allow your natural energy to move you in that direction. So if I want to head north and I'm facing east right now, I'm just going to take those small steps to orient north and then put one foot in front of the other. Talking about diets, I, I, what I think of is how many times New Year's resolutions Oh my gosh. Yeah. That, that calendar changes and all of a sudden I'm going to be a whole new person. <laughs> I'm going to exercise, uh, you know, I'm going to exercise every day and I'm and going to your green. I'm, and all I'm going to eat is vegetables and, and the, and the, these extremes. And of course, maybe it lasts a week, maybe two, three. And then of course it falls off because it was, too big a step in the in a direction we want to go but it was too big a leap to be sustainable and there's just too much going on and and i remember um teaching teaching at gyms teaching in in gyms and it would be that flood of people the first week of january the first two weeks of january you couldn't get a machine it was so so busy and and then it would inevitably it would always be like okay and then by week three 
it's tapered like week three in January it's tapered off by February it's like back down and then March it was back down to the levels that that had been prior to New Year that flood of New Year's resolution so mm-hmm. those are those are things that we've gone too far in in a direction that's not no longer sustainable mm-hmm you bring up uh, uh, fitness and gym. It makes me think of, you know, when, when I'm, when I was personal training and I was teaching people how to do movements, even when I teach yoga, I don't immediately go into, okay, uh, we're, we're going to do this arm balance and jump into a backflip. It's like, okay, first we need to understand the structure. We need to find our balance, our support. We need to find our grounding uh, I, I think of it also like moving up the lines of the chakras, right? We, we got to start with the ground first, then we bring in that little bit of movement, then we bring in that effort, then we bring in like the integration, and we start to to move from there. But you know, if you if you're physically not ready to do a full push up from your toes, you got to start from your knees, or you got to start from an ankle. Like you got to start from where you are, and then do the next best thing yeah because otherwise it's going to lead to injury and then pushing in that direction of maybe the ego jumps in and i want to be from here to here i want I, the that martial artist i want to be the master i want to i want to go from not having studied at all to being a master i want to go from never having done yoga to be able to to support myself in a handstand or do the split right away. So so it's getting those pieces in between, like you said, so that we go gradually, the body opens up, the mind opens up, the heart opens up, we soften into it. And we, we move in a direction that we want to go in small increments so that we can sustain it, mm-hmm. so that something doesn't go awry, we don't sustain that injury. And, and yeah, I mean, it, it, ha- <laughs> It's practice, right? It's not, I'm laughing because, because I still find that there's times where it's like, I want to be from here to here. And and I'm doing that big, like the big leap of the arms. Um, so it's practice, not perfect. That's what we say. It's yoga practice. Mm. It's not perfect. Yeah. Uh, so we're, yeah. yeah. Actually, it's funny. John called me out on this when we were together last. Remember I was sharing something and he's like, but small, slow solutions, right, Paul? And I was like, yeah, of course, because I think I was talking about effective this date. I'm not doing that anymore and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, small, slow solutions, right? No, no, John. It's all or nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I'm I'm doing this now and I'm tomorrow. I'm not gonna do any of this for like 30 days and or or I'm never doing this again. And it's like, yeah, it just incremental cut back a little bit cut back a little bit bring it into balance come into different come into right relationship with things yeah yeah i i'm chuckling again because i have another um personal story from um yeah so i guess 10 maybe 15 years ago i trained for fitness competition what and it was yeah Uh, i did not even know that i did I That's did. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Going. I'll Sorry. show you the, I'll show you the picture of it. Please. Um, yeah. So yeah, one of the, I, so I wasn't, it wasn't bodybuilding. It was a category in it. So I wasn't mm. the building muscle. I was in the, um, 
I forget. Figure? Figure yeah, I, I, I think yeah, I think I was in fitness model. I probably should have been in figure the way that everything ended up. And the difference mm-hmm. is the striations in the muscle, how much you can see. Um, so I trained for this competition. It was it was 12 weeks to get ready for the competition. I was working out two and three hours a day, seven days a week, extremely calorie restricted diet. And yeah, at the end of it, I had amazing results amazing results um and so okay on the surface on the surface i had amazing results it Mm. looked good on the inside not amazing not amazing the the what was done to the body not amazing not healthy um psychologically kind of all over the place and and then when it ended so i i uh when it ended i had this extreme um emotion and i even called uh, my trainer at the time and i said is there such a thing as like post-competition depression and he's like oh yeah like there's this there's this like what do i do now this has been my life for 12 weeks what do i do now so i w- i had a little bit of that coming in um i the gym I could not even go near the gym. Like the last thing I wanted to do was go to, and, and I had been, I had been somebody who like, that was what, what I loved. That was my enjoyment. And it became the thing that I loathed. I could not even go there. And, and what I did to myself with this intense, everyday restricted thing, like super disciplined, I I burned myself out and I couldn't go back to the gym. I had to find another activity that, that I could then find some movement. I had to reset my psychology. I couldn't, I couldn't get back into right relationship with food because I was so used to this restriction and then resetting my mind that way. So it was really an example of the extreme and not a small, slow solution, throwing everything out of balance and then needing a correction phase. And how like that, how long did it take you to sort of uh, to go through that correction phase? Like, how long was that process after? Oh, I, I'm, I'm going to say six months at least, wow. m- maybe a year to, wow. to, yeah. That's a lot of work for 12 weeks. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was intense. Wow. Wow. I've heard stories of, of, uh, bodybuilders that go through that that process. A friend of mine once told me a story of someone she knew that was so hungry or hangry as we call it now, that she literally kicked in the dashboard, the passenger side dashboard of her car. Like I've been hangry before, but that's intense. I, I believe it. I totally believe it. I remember one night midway through where there is a, a reset day, a reset of the metabolism day. So it's it's called the cheat day. And so I had some things on, on hand to be able to do that. And I remember one night waking up and it was not the day that I was supposed to have my reset day. And I woke up in the middle of the night so hungry that I went downstairs. I felt like a crazed wild animal and I had some chocolate. So I was like, oh, if I just have a little piece of this, then I'm gonna, and I was doing the math in my head about taking the calories from the next day and and what I had to do. And then I just I just went crazed and I I mowed through. It was and it was a big 
chocolate bar. It was. What, it what was kind of bar of, was it? Oh my gosh! It was one of those. Um, I don't remember the brand, but it was one of the one of the bigger ones that was the the more natural oh. uh, cho- chocolate bars. But so I so not like the I'm fun mad. chocolate bars. Just kidding. <laughs> it was dark chocolate. It was some sort of dark chocolate. Right. Um, and I I mowed through the whole thing, and I remember like the wrapper being all the. And I looked at myself, and I was like, "This is like like a crazed werewolf by the light of the full moon." And wow. and there was just like wrapper and bits of chocolate everywhere, and I and I was like, "What am I doing? Like, what am I doing?" Wow, what? Wow. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing that experience. Your th- this whole principle makes me think. I I I mentioned earlier, twenty twenty, how for me it was just like release it was the, the 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 water resistance, all of that. Another thing too that I noticed with 2020, that was the year that, well, slightly before that, I had already started to look in the direction of getting more involved in my family, healing my family relationship and getting involved in the family business. And I remember thinking to myself, oh my God, my dad's been doing this for years. I'm supposed to know everything. And I started to get really overwhelmed with this idea of, bylaw and engineering things and uh you know uh understanding you know when you dig into the ground how deep you got to go what what materials to use and all of this stuff and i just remember thinking oh my god how am i ever going to do this and then at some point in 2020 i just thought to myself you know what paul wherever you are just show up and so i started to show up and Little by little, I started to learn more and more. And I remember even at some point being, so whenever whenever it's my father and my sister and I working, I sit in the back of the pickup and my father and my sister sit in the front. And I remember just sort of sitting there thinking, what am I even doing here? I'm not even, I don't know anything. How am I even helpful, blah, blah, blah. And, and so I would just continue showing up to now that it's at a point where, hey, listen, can I go build a house by myself? No. But do I have a better understanding of the process? Yes, because every day I just showed up to be where I was. And in that moment, I learned what I needed to learn or I, I saw what I needed to see to ask the questions that I needed to ask to have a deeper understanding of the process. And that just makes me think of so many other things that I've done in my life in, in certain ways where like even yoga, for example, I just showed up to the first class. I had no idea what I was doing. And then I went to the next class and the next class and the next class. And before I knew it, I had accumulated how many of her classes that I had gone to and I had a deeper understanding. Um, And then it also makes me think, and actually I sent you a picture of this. There was a period where I was very snacky and eating a lot of like, um, you know, chips and stuff like that. And I stopped and I thought to myself, okay, this can't go on. I mean, it could go on, but it, it won't end well. Um, what is it that I'm getting out of the, these chips? And it was the crunch. I just loved the crunch. So slowly I started to replace the chips with something else that was similar. And then the next thing, um, what I did was instead of buying chips, I started to make my own chips. So I would do like the zucchini chips and I would do, um, Actually, here's a fun thing that I would do. I would buy little corn tortillas for like 
soft shell tacos. I cut them into little triangles and then I would fry them in avocado oil, let them like drip, and then I would eat those. So they're like homemade chips, right? So I started to do things like that, but it wasn't, you know, the, the zucchini chips weren't doing it for me. The tortillas were great, but it was still too much. And so I started to like slowly shift. And I don't know if you remember that picture of that salad that I sent you. Mm-hmm. where I'd put all the stuff together. And so it was like these little incremental changes that I made that I went from eating chips when I was having the munchies to eating this beautiful salad that I made with leftovers and, you know, putting the tortilla chips on top of it. Cause like the cucumbers in the salad had that crunch that I needed from the, that I was craving from the, um, the chips and stuff like that. So it's making those little slow incremental changes, even within our diet. Not going from like, I'm eating this way today and I'm going to be keto tomorrow, but I'm, I'm eating, let's say I eat meat five times a week and I want to reduce that. So how can I cut out one day? It's like, again, those slow, small solutions, because if we, if we go balls to the wall or tits to the wind, as I like to say, it's just not, it's, 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 it's they're going to be flapping and it's not going to be good. So... Oh my God, that's so funny. <laughs> that's so funny. And I know that picture of that salad and my mouth is watering. And that's a beautiful illustration of small, slow solutions. Incremental changes that are in the right direction that are sustainable rather than leaving it overwhelmed. And another thing that popped in while I heard you describing that that story and that shift and the and the glorious salad that that was eventually the result there um was beginner's mind Mm. beginner's mind and when i and i think of when i started new jobs when i started some any new venture um every time i forgot that yeah we we have to have it's the beginner's mind open to the beginner's mind and I have found myself with the expectation that I step into something new and I'm the master. Mm-hmm. And that pressure is just not not helpful, not definitely not sustainable, definitely leads to the overwhelm, which may lead to the abandonment of the project, rather than open myself to the beginner's mind. I'm supposed to be a beginner. I'm, I, this, is, this is how it feels. And empty my cup let go let go of of things and i i i often remind myself each time i step on my yoga mat in the morning too yeah it's it's the beginners bring in that beginner's mind yeah the small slow let's uh let's you know look at all everything that's present and and go from where we are and then bring the next step in into the right direction yeah wow okay vulnerability moment and i'm going to bring together uh integrate rather than segregate and small slow solutions about what you said about beginner's mind so i've been teaching yoga for over a decade and a half i've been presenting at fitness conferences for a decade to this very moment, I still feel like I have no idea what I'm doing and that what I'm doing is shit. Like, I'm just going to be honest. But there, there, there came a point, like, I would literally have anxiety leading up to these presentations and people are like, oh, that was the best thing. And I'm like, are you kidding? I was shitting my pants the entire time. But what I've done now is 
I've integrated that into the experience and, and start to approach it a little bit more from the beginner mind. It's like, yes, I know the topic that I'm presenting, but this presentation is brand new and I'm going to show up. I'm going to share what I know. I'm going to deliver what is expected because this is what I said I was going to deliver. And also I'm going to, I'm just going to approach it as this is the first time I'm ever doing this. And what can I learn about this experience? And then I use that and I apply whatever I've learned to that experience to the next thing. So that, that is still there, but I'm utilizing it uh, more beneficially than, than, you know, being all freaked out about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, The more, the more that I learn and study, the more I realize how much there is more to learn and study that's <laughs> yeah. that's all that seems to happen in that and and i think back so i shared the story about the the physical intensity with the fitness competition i had a similar experience with my uh, my spiritual growth and i, I fast tracked a little bit for a while where i was just on this journey because i had such a thirst of the more that I learned, the more that I realized there was to know. And I was like, oh, I just I just want to drink this all in and learn it all. And so I I was keenly interested and, and just dove right in, did a lot of workshops, a lot of training in a really short period of time and without allowing myself that time to to kind of process that mm-hmm. in between. And what a ride, like what a ride that was. Oh, I, oh, that that <laughs> fast tracking. So this in, intense spiritual growth and then what comes with that. And I think I think even a kind of like a year, even two years after I finished, I was still processing stuff from that intense period. So so it, it's this idea of, well, this is a This is a good thing. So I'm going to get so much of it. I'm going to dive right into it and I'm just going to. And then, yeah, too much of a good thing is not a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's balance. It's it's small, slow solutions. It's doing the things, taking the steps, seeing what happens, seeing what needs to be corrected or adjusted, seeing what could happen. How do I solve that? And then and and allowing that time to to process it. I find that the less I do something that I want to do all the time, the more I enjoy it. There's more pleasure in it, right? As much as I love it and I want to do it all the time. I find that it becomes routine after, yeah. right? It becomes a habit and then it's no longer enjoyable and then it takes over. So when we have those spaces, when we make it a little bit more sacred, it just becomes that much more pleasurable and that much more enjoyable. I would love, love, love to hear how this shows up in in people's lives and, and let us know in the comments where you're watching this or send an email or our Facebook group the, the Living Spiritfully Collective share these stories because we we would love to hear uh, experiences of small, small, slow solutions. Remember Thrivers, our email address is comealivepodcast at gmail.com. And Catherine, let's talk about homework. Homework. So how, how, how can we put this principle into action in this period until we meet again? So kind of the line or the what we can use to remind ourselves is take the next best step. What's the next best step? So if we're looking from the growing side of things, if anyone has never tried growing anything, try some herbs. 
or try a small pot of plants. Or if you've tried that, then maybe a little bit bigger. Some of the, the guilds that we talked about, I think one of our listeners, one of our thrivers talked about some wildflowers, plant some mm. wildflowers mm -hmm. that was shared in the Living Spiritfully Collective. And if you've done that, try bigger plots, bigger guilds, and maybe a raised bed, maybe go, we talked about the food forest and starting with a fruit tree guild, the one fruit tree with a, a few plants around that. So what's the next best step in growing and try mm. that? I love that. And something that you made me think of, if some, if, if, if anyone's listening and they're like, I've never even cared for any type of plant in my life. I don't know if I'm ready to, you know, uh, take care of a, a basil or a tomato or something. Find a pothos. It's the easiest plant to take care of. It will thrive in many different conditions. If you can't find one, come to me because I have tons of them. I will give you a clipping that you can propagate and then plant and then just take care of it. And it's so fun and exciting. So find yourself a pothos um, if you're brand, brand, brand new to caring for plants. Um, something else to add to uh, the own work is take a look at something in your life where you want to improve and ask yourself, how can I make this just 1% better? just 1%. We don't need to go <laughs> tits to the wind. That's my favorite expression. We don't need to go to we don't need to go tits to the wind on anything just 1%. Maybe a little cleavage. That's it. 1% better. Now Catherine is laughing hysterically. So <laughs> Totally laughing hysterically. Oh my god, I've got a grin ear to ear. This is this is some great homework. So try out the homework, see how it goes. And remember to join the Living Spiritfully Collective Facebook group. We continue this discussion and share our insights and understandings and stories and moments of vulnerability. And remember to check out our websites and links. They're in the show's notes. And email us, comealivepodcast at gmail.com. Thrivers, we love you very much. And remember, we are meant to thrive. How will you come alive? Cue dance party. Dance party. Come Alive, the Living Spiritfully Guide to Thriving is a regenerative living production in association with Polarin Studios and The Elementals. Executive producer, Catherine Stilo. Co-producer and sound engineer, Paul Galoro. Inspired by and dedicated to Mother Earth, our bio-intelligence and the spirit that moves through all things. A big thank you and much love to you, our community, for subscribing to and sharing this podcast.